Greetings and welcome to an Odyssey into Oratory. I'm your host, Ben Riley. Our world is full of illusions. When we look at a rose, we think it's out there. It's not. It's in our mind. What we are seeing is an image created in the brain's visual cortex. This is why optical illusions are as convincing as they are. When we see a rose in the distance, what we are seeing is light from the tiny spectrum visible to the human eye reflecting off the rose. The eye sends electrical signals to the brain, which interpret the signals and creates the image. In fact, without input from our brain, we would never see a rose. The human eye is not capable of producing a sufficiently high enough quality image. So the brain fills in the necessary details with experiential association to give us the final version of our rose. When you hear a thunderclap and gaze yonder for its origin, you are looking in the wrong place. Sound waves entered the outer ear and traveled through the ear canal to the eardrum, which vibrates from the sound waves. The vibrations affect tiny bones in the middle ear, which cause a chain of elaborate events with parts of the ear and brain I can't even pronounce. Finally, the chemicals that are released interact with cells which create an electrical signal. The auditory nerve carries these signals to the brain, and it is the brain, once receiving these signals, that produces the sound we call thunder. Essentially, what we think of as hearing is more like an illusion created by the brain when it is stimulated by electrical signals from the auditory nerve. With sight and hearing, as with all the senses, we rely on the brain to fill in missing information from our memories of associated experience. Without this information, we could make no use of the data the senses alone collect. As weird as this is, we are immersed in an even more intriguing illusion. For the duration of this podcast, I'm going to talk about what is probably the most elusive of all illusions, with the possible exception of space, and that is of time. Speaking of space, here's an aside. Philosophers and mystics long before the advances in science in the early 1900s claimed that time and space were illusions. The discoveries in quantum physics have added to their credibility. This desk I am sitting at is supporting books, monitors, printers, and many other miscellaneous items. Yet it is made up of 99.999999 empty space. The same with all the items on top of it. They're essentially empty space. How can this be? Are time and space just collective root assumptions, part of a software package included for our sojourn here on this blue island in space, necessary for our participation in this illusion? Something to think about. Back to time. Since I was old enough to sit still and read a book, we're probably talking 30 years old for me, I've been fascinated with the concept of time. So fascinated, you could call me a student of the topic. From the time of St. Augustine all the way through Rene Descartes and Sir Isaac Newton, we've understood time to be an absolute, a property fixed in nature with no variables that flows in one direction from past to future. It corresponded to a mechanistic view of our universe. The planets, the stars, the galaxies, and the entire universe move in predictable and measurable patterns at a fixed time. Then. In early 1900s comes Planck, Bohr, Heisenberg, Schrodinger, and others who introduced the reality of quantum mechanics. Add Albert Einstein and his theories of general and special relativity, 
and the mechanistic model is rendered incomplete at best. During this period, physics was proving that time and space were not two separate unconnected aspects of reality, that indeed they were interconnected and better understood as a single concept. Space-time has come to replace concepts of time and space as separate entities. We now know that velocity and gravity affect time. Many experiments with atomic clocks have proven time, or our concept of time, slows as velocity increases. The consensus with modern scientists is that there is no law of physics that supports our intuitive sense of how time flows from past to future. Time really doesn't flow. Any event is just one immutable location in space-time. Confronted with the cold facts of modern physics, the flow of time only lies within the human mind. It is the psychological and neurobiological networks that produce this illusion. Just as our brains feel in data from sensory input to create the rose and thunder, our minds add a subjective ingredient to create the perception of the arrow of time. The boundaries between past, present, and future are illusions caused by physical action and activity. Einstein called them persistent illusions. In today's physics, there's a concept gaining support that understands our universe as a single block that exists all at once, with everything interconnected. Physicist Brian Greene uses the analogy of a loaf of bread to illustrate the point. And if you were to slice it, each slice represents an individual unit of space-time. In this model, all time exists simultaneously. The past, present, and future all exist as one block. The future, an infinite amount of them, at the quantum level, has already happened. Think of a video game. The levels and solutions are all contained in one unit, or a movie. The end exists just as the opening credits appear. You experience a seamless steady stream when in fact you are seeing individual frames played at a high rate of speed. It gives the illusion of continuity. Our psychological framework interfaces with physical reality in such a manner that we perceive time like a conveyor belt, one thing after another, from past to present to future. Now Einstein also said, if you can't explain something to a six-year-old, you probably don't understand it yourself. So as fascinating as the science is, I'm gonna stop there. While the Cartesian and mechanistic model of our universe no longer holds sway, most of us living here and now in 2021 still operate with the archaic notion of time. So trying as hard as I have to understand the physics of time, which still confounds me, I have come to some profound insights for the practical and everyday use of time. One evening, an old Cherokee grandfather told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside all of us. One is evil, is angry, envious, deceitful, sorrowful, regretful, arrogant, 
full of self-pity, guilt, resentment, and inferiority. It lies, it's manipulative, it's scheming, and it's ego-driven. The other was good. It is joy, peace, love, hope, security, humility, kindness, harmony, empathy, generosity, forgiveness, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandson thought about this for a minute and asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. Irrespective of the historical time frame or culture, our species has intuitively understood two aspects to our nature. We hear true self, higher self, divine self, authentic self, real self as description for the best that's in us and invariably they are contrasted with this lower five sense driven self better known as the ego. The duality plays out even further. The conscious mind is tied to the illusion of time. It is the aspect of the mind that creates the psychological construct of time being linear, a conveyor belt, a river moving inexorably from past to future. The much larger part of our mind, the subconscious, is tethered to the quantum field where everything happens now. It is not logical or analytical. It understands the language of images, emotions, and sensations. In addition to running all the systems in your body, your autonomic nervous system, your breathing, heartbeat, blood flow, organ function, and digestive process, it sees to it that whatever you believe to be true becomes true for you. With so much to cover regarding the subconscious mind, no doubt this will be a topic for a future podcast. Anyway, the Cherokee grandfather was right to caution his grandson about feeding the wolf of the ego. It is the ego that precludes us from living in the present moment. It is constantly attempting to bring us back to the past with regret or projecting us into the future with fear, doubt, and worry. It does this because it has no power in the present moment. Let me repeat that. The ego has no power in the present moment. Now think about this. You literally have no problems in the present moment. You either act and solve your problems or you learn to live with them. You have no problems right now. Our point of power rests exclusively in the present moment. It is the only place we have any power. This is not a philosophical tenet. It's a demonstrable truth. Every time something happens, when does it happen? It happens now. When do you remember your past? You do it now. When do you dream about your future? You do it now. When do you learn from your past? You do it now. When you're in your past, it was a former now. There is nothing you can do in any moment but now. Right now. Do something yesterday. Go to the Kentucky Derby on the first Saturday in May. Go right now. It's impossible. Okay, so you say to yourself, I'll do such and such in a week. Well, when you actually do it, it's a new now. Be there then, be here now. A good question would be, if I'm consistently in the now, what about goals? What about my future? 
You absolutely should use a portion of your now to plan the future you desire. Establish goals and action plans to achieve them. But this is vastly different than your ego projecting a fearful and forlorn future, having knots in your stomach, expecting impending doom all the time. The best way to secure the future you prefer is to live exquisitely in your now. Our thoughts, feelings, and emotions radiate electromagnetic frequencies. These frequencies have tremendous attracting and repelling properties. Thoughts and emotions of fear, doubt, and worry will attract the people, conditions, and circumstances which will bring about what is feared. Somewhere I read long ago, what I have feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. Conversely, thoughts from the wolf of peace, harmony, faith, and tranquility and love will set up powerful vibrations of the same. You will attract those people, conditions, and circumstances that will bring about your highest ideals, the realization of the goals you set in a former now. That's why it is so important to always reach for thoughts that make you feel good. This way you maintain a high vibration. I always chuckle when I hear on the radio or television, it's finally here, it's Wednesday, it's hump day. My God, what are these people thinking? Are they crazy? They are fretting away the exact same thing they are yearning for, a moment in time. Talk about cognitive dissonance. Each day has the same raw materials and identical properties as the other. It would be like throwing a quarter in a pond and then spending the next three days looking for a different quarter than the one you threw in. What is really happening is that these folks have been conditioned to believe one moment of now is superior to another moment of now. They have habituated the practice of projecting their mind to a nostalgic or regrettable past and or a whimsical or scary future. All the while, they are not present for the only time they can ever experience. You guessed it. It's now. Another explanation would be that they loathe what they are doing Monday through Friday and only enjoy their lives on the weekends. They spend four-fifths of life pining for the other one-fifth. That's a curious plan. Who sold them on that? The least they could do is invert the two. If, however, they remain present during their work week, they would either discover the acres of diamonds in their present work or come to understand it is time to find the work they were meant to do. They don't need a hump day. They need to seize time by the forelock. And as you go through your days, undoubtedly you'll hear the tiresome old cliches about time. Give them a second thought. Time flies. No, it doesn't. It stays. We fly. I don't have enough time. You have all there is. Where did the time go? It went nowhere. Where was your mind? For my part, that's all there is. This is Dan Riley, having the time of his life, taking you on an odyssey into oratory. Until next time, throw off those bowlines. We're on the move now.